0: Thank you, thank you very much. Why don't we put our hands together, actually, and welcome everybody online and in Leicester as well, who are joining us. It's so great to be with you as we continue this series, uh, looking at the Book of Philippians, what it means for us to be radical partners. And now, I wonder if you can think back to when you were young, and uh, maybe you were asked the question, "Who do you want to be when you grow up? Who do you want to be when you grow up?" We're at this stage now. With our little three-year-old Freddie. Uh, Yes, I'm 10 seconds into the message, and I'm already talking about Freddie. So uh, there we go. Who wants another Freddie story? Hey, come on. (laughs) Um, So uh, I'll I'll tell you this. Actually, the other day, uh, Christy was um, playing with him, and uh, my wife, and uh, she said to Freddie, she said, "Freddie, look, Mummy loves you very much. What do you have to say about that?" And uh, he looked at her with these big blue eyes, and uh, he contemplated for a moment, then said, "Can I have a dog?" (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> um, they know how to strike don't they they know when you're weak but uh, anyway that's got nothing to do with the message but uh, Freddie, at the moment is um, contemplating who he wants to be when he grows up and his favorite at the moment is and Sam uh, who wouldn't want to be and Sam when they grow up uh, and I'm relieved to be honest compared to what has gone on before we've had things like Thomas the Tank Engine and uh, Shrek at one point I think and the Gruffalo so I'm relieved it's and Sam but I'm waiting like all parents for that time where he says you know, Daddy, I want to be like you when I grow up. <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. I'm, uh, I'm working on it, I'm working on it. But um, it's a good question to ask, you know, who do you want to be? Not just when we're young, but actually throughout our lives, in all seasons. The challenge is that we live in a, in a world where the prevailing question isn't who do you want to be, but what do you want to do? And there's a big difference there. I'd say the difference is between your CV virtues, and your eulogy virtues. Now, your CV virtues are those things you put on your CV, you know, your appearance, your achievements, your accomplishments. Nothing wrong with celebrating those things. But I think in this world in which we live with social media and et cetera, it's kind of like those are the things we push forward. But they're nothing, I would say, compared to the eulogy virtues. The eulogy you know, those things that are spoken about somebody at the end of their lives. Have you ever been to a funeral? You often hear about the person's character, their nature, their service, because these are the things, I believe, that really matter in life. You know, not necessarily what you did in life, but who you were in life. And uh, this is a question we need to ask ourselves. Who do you want to be? It's a question that the Apostle Paul, the, the writer of this letter to the church in Philippi, he's been asking the church this question, I believe, in chapter two, we're looking at over the last few weeks. First, he looks at encouraging us to be like Jesus, our ultimate example. And then last week, we looked at how he encourages us to shine like stars against the backdrop of a dark world in which we live. And today, he holds up two examples, uh, two individuals, Timothy and Epaphroditus, for us to follow. He's basically saying, who do you want to be in life? Be like them. <laughs> Follow their example. You will do well in life if you follow their example. And so, today we're going to be looking at these two examples, examples for us all. And we're going to be holding up some radical partners as well within our church family, hopefully to challenge us, inspire, inspire us, and encourage us to be who God is calling us to be, to be radical partners. And as we do, I want to um, use, if you like, little nicknames for us to to help us, if you like, remember these two individuals. Anybody like watch darts or anything like that? You don't just have like Phil Taylor, you have Phil the Power Taylor, you know, or something like in wrestling as well, you have like a nickname. I don't watch darts or wrestling, but I gather this is true anyway. So I've kind of done this for Timothy and Epaphroditus. So we're going to look firstly at Timothy as an example for us. Timothy the selfless son, I've kind of called him, the selfless son. Paul begins this section we're looking at today by holding up Timothy as an example. He says this, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, but I almost may, also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself Because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. What a description that is uh, of an individual. Somebody who clearly put the needs of others above his own. Timothy, if you like, is somebody who takes those CV virtues of achievement, appearance, accomplishment, and he makes them secondary to serving other people. What a guy this is. What an example he is. If you like, for Timothy, uh, relationships are the goal. You know, people aren't a means to an end. And it's so, I think, important for us to get a hold of, particularly in our culture today, where often relationships, whether they be romantic or friendship or even work, networking, and they're kind of like used in order for us to get what we want, what we want physically or emotionally or, you know, to achieve our goals in life. But that's not the case for Timothy. For Timothy, clearly, people are an end in themselves. Loving relationships are the goal. Partnership, if you like, that is the goal for Timothy. He takes all of these measurements, if you like, of self-worth. And even I've been challenged this week as I've been reflecting on this passage. Constantly, we can ask ourselves, like, how am I doing? How am I coming across? How am I appearing? How am I accumulating? He takes all of those, like, measurements of self, and he makes it secondary to serving Jesus and living a life outward to others. And let me tell you, this will free you. This way of living will free you from fear and anxiety and insecurity in life. Because ultimately, you're not living then for an audience out there. You're living for an audience of one, your Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who loves you with an unconditional, everlasting love. And you can be free to focus out, focus on Jesus and fix your gaze on him, and then focus out to live a life of freedom, of fulfillment, the life that we were created for. Now, when we look at examples like this, it can be quite intimidating. You think, gosh, you know, this is a selfless guy here. But Timothy was a human being, you know, just like us. It's often been said that character, or good character, is often caught rather than taught. It's caught rather than taught. Timothy caught this from someone. Who did he catch it from? Well, the clue is in the passage here. Paul Paul describes Timothy as like a son to him. We can read about it years earlier in Acts 16 where Paul first meets Timothy and it's this lovely little phrase about what partnership looks like. And it says this, Paul wanted to take him on the journey. Wanted to take him on the journey. Isn't that wonderful? They then developed this great partnership. They were co-workers, they were part of the same spiritual family working together for the gospel, partnering together for the gospel. And this love developed from Paul to Timothy and vice versa, so much so that he describes Timothy in 1 Corinthians as my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. What a description that is. Paul saw that Timothy had a calling on his life and and Paul had a part to play in pouring out his life into Timothy so that he could be all that God had made him to be. And years later now here he is holding him up as an ex- and as example you know and, and just like a son imitates their father and I'm learning this all the time with Freddie you know even the other day I was kind of like putting things into a drawer a chest of drawers and anybody have like some old chest of drawers and sometimes they don't go in I was getting frustrated with it so I kind of just ended up giving it a bit of a kick so that it would go in Anyway, just a few minutes later, I see Freddie going over to the same chest of drawers, kicking it like this. And I'm like, no, don't copy me. (laughs) You know, they imitate, don't they? They follow you. And so Timothy here, we see the same kind of selflessness as Paul. Paul, as we've been looking at over the last few weeks, is a man who had a magnificent obsession with Jesus. He wanted to live his life through the lens of how can I please Jesus? How can I serve others? And Timothy now is doing the same. And Paul is now you know, holding him up as an example, although a generation younger than him, saying, look, be like him. And in doing so, he's saying, this is what radical partnership looks like. This is what being a Christian looks like, to put others' needs above your own to look to meet the interests and the needs of other people, to to refresh others so that you will be refreshed, to empty yourself so that you might find your life. It's what it's all about. And you can almost sense this kind of fatherly pride of Paul in Timothy as he's holding him up as an example to us. And in the same way, I'd like to do that today by using a few examples. I'm going to uh, show some from people in Leicester. The first one is of a young lady um, who's a great kind of selfless woman of faith. Um, Her name's Ashley Wong, and uh, we might have an image of her here. And she's uh, only 18 years old, and uh, she's been part of Kingsgate Leicester uh, since she was very young, since the start. She's grown up in youth, and now she's kind of serving back into our youth as well. She's uh, helping out on our worship team, um, and uh, she seems like she's been on worship since she was like 12. Uh, But uh, she's now leading on, on worship as well. And, uh, and she's just uh, demonstrated selflessness in, in so many ways. She's actually part of a great family called uh, the Wongs in Leicester. If you haven't met the Wongs in Leicester, you will do so soon, because they're like here, there and everywhere. They sacrificially serve in so many ways. And so growing up in that environment, Ashley, I think, couldn't help but, but look outward and serve others. And so much so that earlier this year, when she graduated from her A-levels, um, her first question often for, for those of you, who, you know, like me, I remember when I graduated my levels my first question was, where am I going to go to uni? You know, like, what am I going to do? What's my career path kind of thing? And they're, they're good questions, don't get me wrong. But for her, it seemed like the first question was, not what do I want to do, but where do I want to serve? And she wanted now to sow back into the church that's given her so much She's now doing a placement within the church alongside being a, a music teacher as well and uh, wanting just to sow in and to serve and to be selfless. Isn't that great to have young people around like this who are just kind of sold out for Jesus and sold out for his church? And another example as well, speaking of our youth, is of our youth uh, ministry leader in Leicester. Uh, she's not as young as Ashley, but she's still young she's the same age as me, so she's still very young. And that's uh, Jenny Tang, JT, She's known as, and she's a great kind of stunning example of selflessness in so many ways, but also a Paul-type figure to many of our young people, including Ashley uh, as a a, as a mentor to her. And uh, I can think of so many examples, but one in particular. Early this year, when I was sharing about uh, the the new kind of um, staff volunteer. Initiative, you know, being able to serve the church during the week alongside whatever else you do. I pitched it to the leaders earlier in the year, and uh, Jenny was the first one to come to me, despite already leading youth, leading a youth life group, leading an adult life group as well, serving on Sundays multiple times, uh, having a full time, uh, full on demanding teaching role. She was the first one to come up to me and say, Josh, I want to be a staff volunteer. How can I serve? How can I get involved? How can I help? you and help the church. Isn't it great to have examples like a wonderful people like that within our church? People who are committed, people who are willing to go the extra mile, people who are always going to be there. Let's give it up for them. And I know that we can maybe think of young people like this in all of our campuses, and all our locations, who are just so kind of selfless in their attitude of looking outward towards others. And you know, it's so encouraging, isn't it, to be a part of a church where we have many beloved sons and daughters in the Lord. Isn't it a privilege to be able to partner with them in seeing God's kingdom come in schools and in universities, in colleges, in communities? And so, yeah, as we've just done so there, but let's just put our hands together, shall we? For every young person who is demonstrating that selflessness of giving it up for Jesus and for his church, it's great to be part of this intergenerational church family, but this is what it's part of being a radical partner, you know. And so the question is, how can we take a next step in being a selfless son or daughter? Because on one level, we're all called to be selfless um, sons and daughters of God, but to be encouraged as well. Because Paul describes the journey of Timothy. He says that he proved himself, and so by implication, there's a sense of uh, of time. You know, Timothy being obedient and faithful in the small kind of day-to-day activities. You know, often good character and developing, you know, the test of character, it's not always in the big dramatic decisions in life. It's often in the daily small decisions of life. You know, the challenge of life is that it can be so daily, even go through the motions sometimes. But, you know, that's where character is formed, where we make those decisions to look outwardly And to be, can I put it this way, you know, wherever God's called you, you know, whether it's to be a student or, you know, to a worker or parent or in your community, wherever God has called you to be, to be extraordinary in the ordinary, (laughs) you know, be extraordinary in the ordinary. How can you look out? How can you look to meet the interests of others around you in your community where God has called you to be? Maybe for some of us who are older, how are we sowing into the next generation as well? Are, are we kind of investing in those younger people? One of the great ways of being able to do this is by being on a kids team or a youth team within the church. Or out there, how can you get alongside someone young, be a mentor to them? Because this is what it's part of being, you know, part of this church family where young people aren't looked down upon, where they're encouraged, where they're emboldened, where they're lifted up, but also older people are respected and honoured partnering together as an intergenerational church family. So may we all be inspired by the example of Timothy, the selfless son. The second example that Paul gives is of this great guy called Epaphroditus. And I've uh, called him, aka, the courageous companion, the courageous companion. Paul continues this way. He says, I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. He longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Now, I love this guy, uh, Epaphroditus. He appears to be the bearer of the letter to the church in Philippi. He is uh, one of the Philippians. He basically is part of the church there, and they hear about Paul's predicament. He's uh, in Rome, as we heard of it the last few weeks. He's under house arrest. And so the church take up an offering uh, to, to take over to Paul. You know, being under house arrest would mean that, you know, you're not looked after at all. You need help, financial help. And so they took up an offering. And Epaphroditus was the first to volunteer to take that from Philippi to Rome. And um, a little known fact is that it wasn't just like going around the corner. <laughs> he was traveling over 800 miles Uh, from Philippi to Rome and in those days it would have taken about six weeks for him to get there and it would have been a very demanding you know across rough terrain challenging uh, kind of journey Uh, but he volunteers to go and in addition to this though the high likelihood in those days was if you were to make a long journey like that you know there were thieves there were robbers along the road who would attack you he's carrying a financial gift so the stakes are pretty high here but nonetheless, he puts Paul's needs above his own and he takes this financial gift. And along the way, we hear he must have like, contracted a, a disease or something and he falls ill. And by the time he's in Rome, he almost dies. Uh, and then God miraculously heals him. And now, rather than kind of putting his feet on and thinking, well, my work here is done, he's now getting ready to go back. <laughs> along that same 800 mile, six week stretch to deliver this letter, a letter not only going to be beneficial to the church in Philippi, but to billions of Christians around the world, including us here today, benefiting from this letter. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful for the courageous companionship of Epaphroditus, aren't you? What a guy. We're here benefiting because of his commitment. And that's why I think Paul gives them this title, Notice why I want to give him this title, but Paul, I think, ascribes these different titles to him that bring out this courage and companionship. He he calls him a brother, you know, and this is what radical partnership's about, being brothers and sisters in Christ. We're family together, united by the blood of Jesus. He calls him a co-worker, a fellow soldier. You know, we're not in a physical fight, we're in a spiritual fight, pushing back Darkness and evil. And we're hearing it together, aren't we? As we've heard of the last few weeks, as Andrew shared in the first week, about like a rugby scrum. Uh, although it's probably not good to talk about rugby at the moment, is it? But anyway, uh, you know, we're in a rugby scrum. And like, you know, we're getting together and we're protecting each other and we're advancing together, you know, bonds forming along the way. You know, he calls him a messenger as well. What a privilege it is to, for him to have been this messenger. That's how he sees it. I'm the messenger here delivering this letter back. We are messengers of Jesus delivering the good news of the gospel. And this is why I think when it comes to Epaphroditus, so much like Timothy, I think they live by this motto in life. And it's a motto I think that we can all live by, which is this. I do well, not when I do well, but when others do well. I do well, not ultimately when I do well, but when others do well. That just seems to be the heart of this guy here. His characteristic is such that he just wants to help other people in any way that he can. Such is his character. You know, we hear he almost dies and and, and he's kind of seemingly on his deathbed. And he's more concerned about the church in Philippi. He's more concerned about the news of his illness than he is about his actual illness. I mean, isn't that incredible? He's got every right to feel a bit sorry for himself, but he's more distressed about the news of his illness, what that might mean for his, his brothers and sisters in Philippi. What a guy he is. And that's why Paul kind of goes on to say this. So then welcome him in the Lord and with great joy and honour people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Paul's holding Epaphroditus up as a great example of saying, look at, look at this guy, look at how he is so committed to the course. That's what courageous companionship's about. It's about being committed, being committed to the course, seeing it through, going the whole way. You know, Epaphroditus could quite easily have given up. You know, he could easily just have like, thought, oh, this is too hard, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna see this through. And sometimes in life, you know, we can be great starters, but poor finishers. And when things get hard and when things get tough, we're tempted to throw in the towel and think, oh, I just can't keep going. But let me tell you the example of, of, of Epaphroditus is that you know the things that really matter in life, those things that are worthwhile, the things that really make an eternal difference. Often they come with a price tag. Often things cost. Often there is a, a time where we have to just push through. We have to keep on going, keep commit committing to the cause. Epaphroditus puts the cause before his own comfort, and he puts service before his own security. He's an incredible example of what it means to put others first, be committed to seeing things through, displaying incredible courage. Notice how Paul says here, he almost died for the work of Christ. What a guy, he was able to risk it all, to serve with a reckless abandon. What a freedom this guy demonstrates. Not holding back, not hedging his bets, not playing it safe, but going all out for Jesus, going all out for others committed to the cause, faithful in seeing it through. That's why Paul ends by saying, honour people like him. Honour people like him. And that's what I want to do now. I'd like to honour another couple who are part of our Leicester campus, who are like Epaphroditus in so many ways, And they're called Ian and Monica. Ian and Monica are a great couple. I know many of you know them in other campuses as well. They've done so much within the life of the church. It's too long a list to go through. They've been like helping lead the campus, group pastors, life group leaders, car park kids, ministry, prayer, everything. They've done absolutely everything. But, you know, they are courageous companions, much like Epaphroditus. Because similar to Epaphroditus, they've both gone through health challenges um, Ian in fact almost died a few years ago he suffered with sepsis and was in hospital for months as a result he's still on a journey of recovery to this day but they have demonstrated immense courage you know, even when they've been in hospital both been in hospital Monica with cancer more recently and uh, when they're in hospital they're like Epaphroditus we're all praying for them you know, and say how can we help They're more concerned about us (laughs) than they are about their illness. They're so courageous in so many ways and such wonderful companions to so many, myself and Chrissy, but so many within the church as well. Even this last week, we had a a family move into a home in Leicester for the first time. They bought their their house, the first house in Leicester, who are there delivering a, a meal to welcome them into their home. It's Ian and Monica. They're there first just to be there as companions in every step, every season of life. In the ups and downs, they're dependable, they're reliable. They've been rocks personally for me and Christy in so many ways and for so many others. And I'm sure we can all think of many, many people. Kingsgate is made up of many, many Ian and monikers. People who are just so committed to the course, so faithful, so loyal, so loving uh, you know, of the Lord and of other people. And, uh, and so I'd just like to encourage us all. You know, we can all think maybe of somebody right now, a life group leader or a group pastor, somebody who we know, someone who is always going to be there for you within the church family. Why don't we right now just put our hands together wherever we're gathered for all of these wonderful people who we know are so faithful. And also to ask ourselves, how might we be more like Epaphroditus? How could we be more of a courageous person companion? Are there maybe areas of our lives where we need to be more committed to the cause, or committed to a certain relationship or a project to see things through? How can we be greater in our companionship? Is it that we need to prioritise gathering together, being there for other people? And can I encourage us as well, you know, as good as it is for us to, you know, clap and, and honour people in a public setting like this, I'd encourage you this week, those people who have come to your mind, when we think about these people who are so faithful and dependable. Um, why don't you send them a message this week? Why don't you write them a card or you know, send them a text or something? You know, it would bring them so much encouragement. Please do that this week. You know, I can imagine Epaphroditus, you know, when he first reads this letter, I'm sure it brought him so much encouragement to hear what Paul had to say about him. So why don't you do the same for someone this week? And so as I bring this message to a close now, I want to bring it back to where we started, that question, who, who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Do you want to be selfless? Do you want to be courageous? Do you want to be a radical partner for the gospel of Jesus? You know, may we all be encouraged by the examples of Timothy and Epaphroditus. But you know, the encouraging thing is that we aren't just doing this in our own strength, we're not just you know, being inspired by their example and trying to live in the same way. Timothy and Epaphroditus certainly didn't do it in their own strength. Because 2,000 years ago, the ultimate selfless son, <laughs> the selfless son of God, Jesus Christ, came to us to meet our deepest needs. He came to take away from us our sin. In other words, our selfishness, Anybody else naturally selfish at times? I know I can be. Jesus came to take that away and put it upon himself and die on the cross, put it to death on the cross with him. So that in exchange, we might receive his life, a life of selflessness, a life of freedom, a life truly of fulfillment, the life that we were created for. You see, Jesus is the ultimate courageous companion. He demonstrated ultimate courage by taking on the sin of the world and going to the cross. He put the cause, if you like, of our salvation above his own comfort. He, put, um, he took off, if you like, his, his security so that he might come and, and serve us and meet our needs. And through his life and through his death and through his resurrection, he's made a way for us To receive eternal life you know he traveled not just 800 miles but from heaven to earth (laughs) to come to us not just to bring a financial gift but to give the greatest gift of salvation eternal life and when he made that journey back his promise was to pour out his spirit so that we would have a companion a true companion both in this life and forevermore Isn't it good to know that because of what Jesus has done and because of his spirit at work in us today, we can truly say we will be able to live lives like Timothy, like Epaphroditus. We will be able to live this life, life in all its fullness, a life looking up towards Jesus and looking out towards other people. So may we all be encouraged and may we all press on as radical partners of the gospel in Jesus' name. Well, we're going to respond uh, together now. And uh, as we do, I'd encourage us all, if you're able to stand, and we're going to worship together in a moment. And let's stand together now. And just, I want to pray for us before we close our time together. And i just really like firstly to pray for some people who might be here in the room or online. And you're kind of hearing this message about Timothy and Epaphroditus. And it can be, you know, somewhat challenging you think, gosh, like, I really feel like I'm nowhere near, you know, where they were at. You know, being selfless, being courageous, being looking outward towards other people. And it might be because you've never actually made that decision to say, Jesus, I, I, I want you to come into my life. Because let, let me be honest, it's impossible to live this life without his spirit at work in us. And we simply need to ask him to come, to completely Turn our lives around so that we might look out into the world and help others meet Him. The reason why we're here, what we're living for, ultimately where we're going, what life is all about is found in Him. And so I want to lead us in a prayer, particularly for those of you who've never made that decision to invite Jesus into your life, or you might just feel like you're distant from Jesus, and the reason why you're feeling like I'm just nowhere near living this way is because I just feel like I'm so far from God right now. And i just like to lead us in a simple prayer. All we need to do is take that step. As I said earlier, it's not about the big, dramatic kind of decisions. It's about simply taking the next step. What's my next step? And the first one is to say, Jesus, would you come and help me? And so let's just bow our heads and close our eyes. And I'm just going to simply lead us in a short prayer of inviting Jesus in the ultimate selfless son, the ultimate courageous companion. And so repeat this prayer after me. Church, let's all say this together so nobody feels embarrassed at all. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you that you love me. Lord, I'm sorry for going my own way, but today I choose to turn to you. Would you come into my life Would you forgive me? Would you set me free? Fill me with your love. Fill me with your presence so that I can live this life of faith, of selflessness, of courageousness, life in all its fullness, now and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, it really meant something for you. Can I encourage you, at the end of the service, we'll have some next steps for you to take. But before we worship together in a moment, I'd just like to end by praying for us all. And the picture I had as I was praying for you uh, this week was of open hearts and open hands. Open hearts and open hands. I want to pray that God might open up our hearts afresh to Him. And that He would do a deeper work in our hearts that he would fill us afresh with his Holy Spirit. And that for some of us here, I believe you've come under some fear and anxiety and even insecurity, and you're worried about, you know, achievement or what other people think or, you know, how you're coming across in the world. And I believe God is going to set you free of that today. As you lift up your gaze and say, now I'm living for an audience of one now. I know who my Lord and Saviour is. I know that Jesus Christ loves me and accepts me. And if that's true, well then (laughs) I can be free. I can be truly free to look out and look at how I might serve others and meet the needs of those around me. So do something in our hearts, but also then in our hands. For some of us, it might be that practically we need to take a next step. What is your next step? You know, it might be to, to sign up to a team if you're not already part of one. It might be to, to sign up to a life group, you know, to, to truly commit. You say, well, I don't feel like I've got many companions or I know many people. Well, then get involved in a group. Make it a priority. Develop those friendships, those relationships. Go on the journey together. Get stuck in, get more involved. It's what radical partnership is all about. So let me just lead us as we pray together. First, let's put our hands on our hearts as I lead us in praying. Lord, I pray right now, would you come and would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Lord, I pray a breaking off of any fear, any anxiety, any insecurity right now, any worry about you know, how we might be portrayed or uh, you know, in this social media world, maybe we've just been so fixated on, on you know, ac- achievement, accomplishment, goals and all those kind of things. And they're good things, don't get me wrong. But ultimately, Lord, you are our one thing. And Lord, right now I pray that you would come and do a deep work in our hearts so that we might fix our gaze on you Jesus lift our gaze off the things of the world and focus our attention on you and that would bring freedom there would be freedom that moves ap- across this room and online right now people being set free as we fix our gaze on you and lord as we are doing that it's enabling us to now focus on those around us as well. And let's just put out our hands as a way of saying, we're going to have open hands now, Lord, to those around us. So would you help us take those next steps as we take a step of faith in serving others, in looking out, in being selfless. If we take a a step of, of faith, maybe in taking a bit of a risk, like Epaphroditus, being committed and seeing things through, going for it, not hedging our bets, not kind of just living in our limitations, but really going for it in life, living life to the full. We get one chance. Let's make the most of it in this life. And so Lord, I pray we will take those steps right now. And as we do, Lord, I pray that we would experience the goodness of God. We would experience a life to the full, the life that Timothy and Epaphroditus lived. And so many heroes of the faith have done. So many within this church do. May we be inspired and encouraged. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Let's give our God a clap of praise, shall we?